Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the 2022 Second Quarter Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 11 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Chris Burns, Vice President of Business Development. Please go ahead. Thank you, Michelle, and good morning to everyone. I'd like to welcome you today to the call for PARS 2022 Second Quarter Financial Results Review. The complete disclosure of our results can be found in our press release issued this morning, as well as in our related Form 8K furnished to the SEC. To access the press release and the financial details, please see the Investor Relations and News section of our website at www.partech.com. I also want to be sure all participants today have access to our earnings presentation and business review slide deck. Individuals on the webcast should have access to the deck when they logged on to the call this morning. For those just dialing in on the conference call, the presentation can be accessed on the investor page of the website and also included as an attachment on the AK we filed this morning as well. At this time, I'd like to take care of certain details in regards to the call today. Participants on the call should be aware that we are recording the call this, this morning, and it will be available for playback. If you ask a question, it will be included in both our live conference and any future use of the recording. I'd like to remind participants that this conference call includes forward-looking statements that reflect PAR management's expectations based on currently available data. However, actual results are subject to future events and uncertainties. The information on this conference call related to projections or other forward-looking statements may be relied upon and subject to the safe harbor statement included in our earnings release this morning and in our annual and quarterly filings with the SEC. Joining me on the call today is PAR CEO and President Savneet Singh and Brian Menard, PAR's Chief Financial Officer. I'd now like to turn the call over to Savneet for the formal remarks portion of the call, which will be followed by general Q&A. Savneet? Thanks, Christopher, and thanks to everyone for joining us to review PAR's second quarter 2022 results. During the second quarter, we continue to drive growth in our subscription services revenue and saw a strong gross margin expansion as we continue to realize the benefits of scale and operational efficiency. The business is performing, and the strategy is working. We continue to measure against near-term expectations while simultaneously making strategic progress against this large opportunity that's in front of us. As a company, we delivered a strong second quarter with a reported total Q2 revenues of $85.1 million, a 23.4% increase from one year ago. Our revenue growth was driven across all business lines and specifically around our software recurring revenues, resulting in $98.6 million of total live ARR at quarter end and a year-over-year growth rate of 29% from Q2 last year. This acceleration continues to be driven by a 32% growth in ARR coming from Punch and a 31% increase coming from Brink. Equally important as we scale is the dramatic improvement we have been able to drive in gross margin on our subscription services revenue. At the end of Q2 2022, we've now achieved a 73% gross margin, a significant improvement from the 53% we reported at the end of 2020. We expect this positive trajectory to continue to expand over time. This growth has been driven by intense ROI-focused engineering, improved brink architecture, and economies of scale. Strong results this quarter continue to be driven by a high level of execution across the business and continue strong demand for PARS Unified Commerce. We've established strong momentum and have continued to build on that throughout the quarter. 
In Q2, we activated 962 new Brink sites. And on that basis, after churn, Brink active store count now totals over 17,700, a 34% increase from one year ago. Brink bookings total nearly 950 stores in the quarter. We expect both metrics, activations, and bookings to increase in the second half of this year as inventory concerns are subsiding alongside strong visibility and a ramp-up in go-live days for new customers. Additionally, we continue to see ARPU expansion in our pipeline, which will help the revenue momentum. We continue to see impressive low churn rates for Brink, approximately 4% annualized. This low churn rate shows the trust our customers have in our products and ensures our ability to provide and also capture value for PAR in the long run. Now turning to Punch. We continue to outperform with Punch and added more than 3,500 sites in the quarter and now total more than 62,300 sites, a 29% increase in the last 12 months. We signed 12 new customer logos in Q2 that added to our impressive contracted store list. Punch further enhances impressive list of integration partners with the addition of nine new partners in the quarter. We also added important product features and enhancements that include campaign management, mobile framework, loyalty platform, offers management, along with machine learning and AI. Applications like Punch make it easier for brands to connect with their most loyal customers and increase customer lifetime value. We're also beginning to see momentum within the grocery and C-store segment and hope to announce future customer wins later this year. The growth in these emerging verticals is a validation of the work the team has put in to expand our TAM the last couple years. PAR Payment Services had another strong quarter, and we're extremely excited by the pipeline of customers who have engaged with PAR for our integrated payment services. They're attracted to PAR Payments for their competitive pricing, transparent costs, and full integration with Brink and Punch. PAR Payments cuts across all PAR customer types, and we look forward to sharing more data later this year. Even though it's still early on in our payments initiative, we've seen notable customer wins during 2022, and believe this revenue stream will be meaningful and an accelerator to our future financial, future financial performance and gives us strong confidence in hitting our 2022 goals. To update you on Data Central, we experienced a solid balance back in Q2 and saw net new activations at more than 350 stores as we went live with California Pizza Kitchen and signed a sizable franchise that you have a noted Tier 1 chain. I'm encouraged about the opportunity that Data Central has ahead of it because it's a proven solution that solves the biggest challenges the restaurant industry faces today, labor and food management. For the last two-plus years, restaurants have focused tech spend on the front of house with CRM, loyalty, digital, and delivery. Now that most restaurants have upgraded the front of house tech stack, they're struggling with operational issues and profit leaking out the back door via food and labor challenges. We've added to our sales staff to take advantage of this opportunity and, importantly, have improved the scheduling features of the product and expect to accelerate sales in the marketplace around labor solutions. As we continue to strive to report meaningful metrics to our fast-growing subscription services revenue, We'll now report 12-month contracted ARR, which is live sites plus sites signed with the expectation of going live in the next 12 months, with much of that contracted ARR going live in just the next six months. This number should give investors a more accurate view of our future revenues and is a number I personally track internally. Today, 12-month car stands now at $115 million, paving the way for a strong rest of the year and beyond. Our product and hardware revenue continues to perform well in a difficult and challenged environment. Product revenues in the, in the quarter continued to strengthen year over year, and we reported at 28.4 million dollars in this recently ended quarter, a 19% increase from one year ago. The capital purchase environment for restaurants is always tricky, and this is even, has been even more so with the pandemic, inflation pressures, and the global supply chain difficulties. As, as I mentioned previously, we're not immune to these challenges from the supply chain, and we've experienced some margin impact with costs associated with the current situation. We continue to monitor the supply chain environment closely and the realities occurring in Asia and specifically China in regards to the pandemic and the impact of specific shutdowns. 
Now to briefly report on the government business. Park government has delivered a strong year-over-year performance for the second quarter. Park government is up 17.4% in revenue over the same period last year and has outpaced its Q2 21 profitability by 48%. Enhanced focus on contract financial performance is resulting in bottom line acceleration. Our government segment performed above plan for both revenue and earnings. Our ISR business has had a solid quarter driven by increased demands for recurring, for, excuse me, for services resulting in a 28% in year-over-year revenue growth and improved contract margins. Our government segment also delivered improved performance for mission systems and product business lines, and I'm confident this segment will continue to outperform for the foreseeable future with a solid contract backlog and future award opportunities. Now to our acquisition. As most of you hopefully saw, this morning we announced that we acquired Menu Technologies, a fast-growing omni-channel ordering solution. The menu acquisition has a robust e-commerce solution, including online ordering, kiosk, menu management, delivery management, dispatch, and much more. Menu now allows PAR to consolidate the restaurant's off-premise and on-premise orders into one unified tech stack. This is an important deal for our company. Although small in size, we believe Menu is the best-kept secret in restaurant technology. We worked incredibly hard to win the Menu team over, as we think Menu brings a level of product sophistication we have not seen elsewhere. Our logic in buying the business was simple. First, Menu provides PAR, a best-of-breed solution for off-premise ordering. Our customers have been asking us for an alternative view, and we feel we just acquired the modern version of today's incumbents a product that gives restaurants complete configuration, end-to-end commerce, and a very special customer-focused culture. This acquisition should help significantly expand PARS ARPU and potential and provide years of potential upsell. In enterprise software, product wins, and we think we've acquired the most innovative solution in the market. Menu already has corporate contracts with several of the largest restaurant brands in the industry, extending PARS leadership in the restaurant tech in the upper echelons of Tier 1. Second, the menu acquisition marks PARS expansion into international markets. Menu is already offering solutions to enterprise restaurants in 25 countries located in North Amer- Europe, North and South America, and now allows PAR to leverage its brand and reputation to push not only Menu, but other portfolio products internationally. Third, and most important, Menu accelerates PAR's plans to unify the restaurant. Beginning immediately, PAR will initiate an effort to unify Menu with- within PAR's unified commerce solution, so that brands no longer need to maintain two different systems for on and off-premise ordering. One cloud-based system that will manage all transactions, become a true system of record, and allow for extensibility. As innovation accelerates the number of ordering channels, a unified system allows that channel expansion to function seamlessly while ensuring uninterrupted operations. Other benefits of adding menu to PAR include a more seamless experience that puts the customer at the center of every transaction, regardless of the channel they use to order and pay. The acquisition centralizes key functions like menu management for all systems to a shared model across both commerce and loyalty solutions. It also natively connects the kitchen management system across channels to better manage customer experiences as well as manage demand into the kitchen. The combination will also provide a material reduction in cost for brands who may be managing multiple systems to offer integrated customer ordering across channels, while also accelerating innovation for brands as new possibilities are unlocked by unified commerce. I certainly hope you're as excited as I am about this addition to PAR and our unified commerce offering. We diligently sought out the correct partner we needed to acquire. We literally evaluate every player in the space and are confident that Menu accelerates our path to becoming the world's largest restaurant technology company. I also want to reiterate that we are just getting started as we seek out other transactions of best-in-class companies that we can add to our unified commerce offering. Each time we allocate your capital, it's with a purpose to drive long-term shareholder value. I'm incredibly humbled about the work that's happening at PAR. We believe our vision of unified commerce gives us the opportunity to become a once-in-a-generation company. With our unit economics and technology advantages, we believe we'll win and provide unified commerce to key vertical markets.
Looking ahead, we have sufficient cash to execute on our strategy. We're prioritizing and making excellent progress on integrating past acquisitions and ensuring that appropriate controls are in place, while simultaneously making notable progress on our internally developed projects as well. We feel confident in hitting our 30 to 40% growth target for the year, and while the macro environment could be challenged, we, feel real, we see real reasons to be optimistic at PARP. As always, I would like to thank all of PARP's employees for their dedication and effort over the past quarter. Across the organization, people have stepped up to ensure we meet the needs of our customers, while at the same time embracing the changes necessary to create a company for long-term sustainable success. They continue to act as owners of our company. With that, I'd like to hand it up to Brian, who will review our financial performance in greater detail. Thank you, Good morning, everyone. Total revenues were $85.1 million for the three months ended June 30, 2022, an increase of 23.4% compared to the three months ended June 30, 2021, with growth coming from both restaurant retail and government segments. Net loss for the second quarter of 2022 was $18.8 million, or $0.70 cent loss per share compared to the net loss of $10 million, or $0.39 cent loss per share reported at the same period in 2021. Adjusted net loss for the second quarter of 2022 was $9.8 million, or $0.36 cent loss per share, compared to an adjusted net loss of $9.2 million, or $0.36 cent loss per share for the same period in 2021. Product revenue in the quarter was $28.4 million, an increase of $4.5 million, or 18.6%, from the $23.9 million reported in the prior year. We continue to see strong hardware sales, both with our Tier 1 legacy customers and across our Brink customer base. Service revenue was reported at $35.8 million, an increase of $8.6 million, or 31.6%, from the $27.2 million reported in the prior year, driven by subscription services revenue from our Punch and Brink offerings. Total subscription services revenue reported in Q2 2022 was $23.4 million, compared to $16.5 million in Q2 2021. The annual recurring revenue rate of subscription services exiting the quarter was $98.6 million, an increase of 29% compared to Q2 2021, driven by 31% growth in Brink and 32% growth in Punch. Our recurring revenue base, which includes both software-related services and hardware support contracts, continues to expand. Of the $35.8 million of service revenue reported in Q2 2022, $31 million was comprised of recurring revenue contracts as compared to $23 million in Q2 2021. Contract revenue from our government business was $20.9 million, an increase of $3.1 million, or 17.4%, from the $17.8 million reported in the second quarter of 2021. Increase in contract revenue was driven by a 2.4 million or 27% increase in our ISR Solutions product line. Contract backlog continues to be significant, noting a total backlog of 184.5 million as of June 30, 2022, compared to 141.2 million backlog as of June 30, 2021. Now turning to margins. Product margin for the quarter was 14.7% versus 22.8% in Q2 2021. The decreased margin was primarily driven by a $1.5 million charge for excess and obsolete inventory. Product margin excluding the excess and obsolete charge was 20% for Q2 2022. We are keenly focused on product delivery in a supply challenge market, but we continue to improve processes to efficiently balance customer demand and more modest inventory levels. 
We continue to also monitor our pricing to properly reflect changes in a dynamic and cost environment. Service margin for the quarter was 40.9% compared to 30.3% reported in the second quarter of 2021. The substantial margin improvement over multiple periods continues to be driven by improvements in hosting and support services costs and a higher mix of SaaS software. Service margin during the three months ended June 30, 2022, included 5.4 million of amortization of identifiable and tangible assets compared to 5 million during the three months ended June 30, 2021. Excluding the amortization of intangible assets, total service margin for the three months ended June 30, 2022 was 55.6%, an increase from 49.2% for the three months ended June 30, 2021. Government contract margins were 11.1% as compared to 7.9% for the second quarter of 2021. The increase was driven by higher margin mission systems contracts and lower corporate expenses across all product lines. In regards to operating expenses, GAAP SG&A was $26.4 million, an increase of $3.5 million from the $22.9 million reported in Q2 2021. The increase was primarily driven by $1.9 million in sales and marketing expenses, $1 million in internal technology infrastructure costs, and $0.6 million increase in corporate management expenses. Net R&D was $10.1 million, an increase of $1.5 million from the $8.6 recorded in Q2 2021, as we increase spending across our software product development organization. Net interest expense was $2.5 million, compared to $4.9 million recorded in Q2 2021. The decrease is driven by the refinancing of the Owl Rock loan with the issuance of the 2027 notes in September 2021, and a reduction of accretion resulting from our January 1st, 2022 adoption of a recent accounting pronouncement. Now to provide information on the company's cash flow and balance sheet position. For the six months ended June 30, 2022, cash used in operating activities was $31.6 million versus $33.1 million for the prior year. Cash used for the six months ended June 30, 2022, was primarily driven by additional networking capital requirements due to a $11.6 million increase in accounts receivable related to our government segment and a $7 million increase in inventory. These increases will be temporary as we expect accounts receivable and inventory to revert back closer to December 31st, 2021 levels during the second half of 2022. Cash used in investing activities was $5 million for the six-month ended June 30, 2022 versus $381.7 million for the six-month ended June 30, 2021. Investing activities during the six-month ended June 30, 2022, included $1.2 million of cash consideration for the Q1 2022 drive-through tuck acquisition. Capitalized software for developed technology costs for the six-month ended June 30, 2022, was $3.2 million versus $3.8 million for the six-month ended June 30, 2021. Cash used in financing activities was $1.8 million for the six-month ended. June 30, 2022, versus $319.3 million for the prior year. Financing activities for 2022 was driven by stock-based compensation-related transactions, while 2021 activities included financing related to the punch acquisition. Day sales outstanding decreased within the restaurant retail segment from 58 days at December 31, 2021, 
to 47 days at June 30, 2022. Day sales outstanding increased within the government segment from 55 days at December 31st to 89 days at June 30, 2022. The interim increase is expected to be reduced to normalized levels during the third quarter. This concludes my formal remarks, and we will now move to Q&A. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from Mayank Tandem with Needham. Your line is now open. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Congrats on the quarter. So, I mean, you shared a lot of information on the acquisition, but just to clarify, maybe I missed this. How much did you pay for the acquisition? And could you share any financial metrics in terms of uh, ARR growth and revenue contribution and how that should flow through the balance of 2022 into 2023? Yeah, so in regards to the, the acquisition cost, and you'll see it's also as a subsequent event in our 10Q filing later on today. Um, the base investment was $25 million, uh, comprising a mix of both cash and equity, and there is a um, an earnout that's uh, linked to that. It's also primarily driven by AR growth over the next 24 months. As far as uh, revenue expectations, it's um, de minimis now, but with a very strong ramp expected uh, over the next uh, 12 months here. Uh, what's amazing about Menu, and I mentioned, you know, we really do think it's the best kept secret in restaurant technology. They've signed meaningful contracts with some of the largest restaurant brands internationally, uh, and are right at that sort of um, point where they're taking contracted revenue live. So it'll be small this year, and we expect to accelerate, you know, meaningful in, in the out years um, with pretty decent visibility. Understood. And then in terms of the um Contracted ARR, that's a very helpful metric, but could you just provide any framework in terms of how you're thinking about the back half of the year, given all the concerns around the uh, recession or economic slowdown? Have you seen any slowdown in decision-making from your customers and prospects? It doesn't sound like it, but we'd love to get any sort of thought process around your expectations for uh, the back half of the year, especially. Yeah, you know, in the beginning of the year, we, we sort of got it to 30 to 40% AR growth, and we still feel really confident about that, and, and we think the next couple of quarters will actually be faster growth than, than the last quarter if, if you know, the world holds up. Um, now, I, a lot of that we feel is being driven by um, our, our Brink initiative with payments, where we're seeing really strong adoption, and that adoption, we haven't seen an ounce of customer pushback as relates to the macro environment or anything um, uh, you know, macro-related, we, we haven't really seen that change. The pipeline um, is, in fact, expanding, not contracting, and that gives us some good confidence. Um, and our other parts of our business, we, we expect to see a slowdown in hardware revenues uh, in the back half of the year. And while we haven't really seen it yet, um, that's just an expectation that as rates go up and as the economy slows, franchisees of the large Tier 1 chains who are our hardware-only customers will probably pull back. So we're, we're, we're getting ready for that. We're not seeing that uh, in an aggressive way yet. We've seen small signs of it here and there. But that's where we would expect to see a slowdown. Um, our, our, our contract error that I put out there, um, you know, I think it's a very good guide. We expect to turn most of that live in the next six months, um, which is why we put that metric out there. It's what, what I track inter- internally. Um, so that's a good guide for sort of on the ARR side. Um, but to your question, where we, where we, where, where, if, the, if the economy slows down significantly, we will see that impact in our hardware business. 
Great. Uh, thanks for that caller. I'll get back in queue. Thank you. Please stand by for the next question. Our next question comes from Stephen Sheldon with William Blair. Your line is now open. Hey, thanks. Um, wanted to also ask about the ARR. Um, you know, and I guess specifically, you know, it's great to see that, that contracted ARR number. I think it, that all goes live. I think that would imply about 30% ARR growth. But I'm curious what you're also seeing on the pipeline side. Um, you know, is there is, is what you're seeing in the pipeline also giving you some confidence about that 30 to 40% ARR growth number? Just any detail on the pipeline across the different businesses? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll go one by one so you have some color. So, so the short answer is, you know, um, we think we'll, we'll, we'll hit that number. As I the economy could turn, things could change, but we feel pretty good about it now. Um, you know, product by product, um, the, the hardware business, you know, pipeline is hard because it's a very short sort of window and customers can change quickly. So I think we see a short sort of window and customers can change quickly. So I think we see orders coming in. We obviously had a good quarter, but we expect that the version of pipeline there to contract um, in the event the economy slows down. On the, the, the brink and payment side, we feel we see strong pipeline uh, of go-lives happening, and we've got pretty good visibility into that for the next six months. Um, and we are in the process with, you know, a couple of large accounts that will set us up nicely for the following year. But um, today, pipeline seems as strong as it needs to be for us to hit those goals. Um, I don't think it's a reach for us to hit those goals, otherwise we wouldn't say it. Um, and so we feel, you know, um, pretty decent about the Brink pipeline. But that will be the key for, for the second half. Can we expand that pipeline so that 2023 is a successful year? 2022, we feel confident, is, you know, there's not a lot we can do in 2022 to dramatically impact 2022, but it has a tremendous impact on 23. Um, on, on the punch side, um, pretty much everything we have contracted or booked to date uh, is all that we have, is, is what we'll execute in Q, the second half. So any business that we sign in the second half of the year uh, as it relates to our punch product will probably go live in 2023. Now that's excluding upsells and, and cross-sells. Um, so we have really strong visibility into punch for the remaining six months as it relates to, to LAR. Um, and so everything we sign for the next six months will be real car for the following um, year. So um, short answer is punch. We have very strong visibility from now to the end of the year of where we think revenue will go um, because that revenue has been booked in, and is planned to roll out the second half of the year. Um, payments is, uh, is, 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 is a business that can impact 2022 immediately. It does not have a long go live cycle as most of these customers are already on brink. Um, and that's where we have um, probably, our, not probably, without question, our strongest pipeline. Um, the demand for, for payments is accelerating, you know, ahead of our expectations. And as hardware supply chains weaken, it should help us uh, bring payment devices, which is our limiting factor in turning that revenue live at the moment. So payments, the pipeline is very, very strong. And I'd argue if the economy weakens, that business will get stronger and stronger because it's a net cost savings to our customers. And so that's an easy switch for CFOs and CIOs to make. And lastly, on Data Central, um, you know, the bar is low here. Uh, so short, short answer, um, you know, we, we feel we feel momentum. Um, we've got a great leader there in, in Marcus Watson who, you know, often says we've got, you know, strong but fragile momentum, and I think we'll, we'll see uh, see that continue to grow. Uh, we're in a couple processes we feel very confident about. Um, and so Data Central, I think the pipeline is, is very strong. So, you know, in short, I think because our businesses are contracted, they're longer sales cycles, the, the rest of the year is, is very much executing on what's been signed this year, um, outside of payments and, and parts of Brink. So we have very good visibility this year. And so from here till the end of the year, it's very much going to be what impacts 2023. 
Got it. That's incredibly helpful. Um, maybe shifting to the menu acquisition. That was that was great to see, and clearly a lot to dig into there. But can you give some more background there between their focus on SMB versus enterprise, and then how aggressively do you plan to take this out as an option to to your current U.S. enterprise customer base? Um, you know, as an alternative to the other online ordering solutions we currently partner with. Um, so, you know, PAR is an open solution and will always be supportive of every single restaurant technology company. Um, you know, we, we sort of look at the, the company's incumbents, we look at companies of the past, and, and they become sort of toll-keepers uh, that kind of stifle innovation. We want to be the opposite of that. And so it, wouldn't have, it won't have any impact on any of our partners. Specific to your question, um, you know, priority one, two, and three within that acquisition is taking live the revenue that that, that, that menu has already contracted. Um, menu uh, is, an, is, is truly a, a special set of products. Um, you know, I've probably met, you know, 100 different digital ordering companies, kiosk companies, and um, it, 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 it's, it's hands, you know, far and away the best product we've seen. Um, and when, when I say that, it's, it's not a singular product. It's an online ordering product. It's a mobile product. It's a loyalty product. It's a kiosk product. It's a dispatch product. It's a Rails product. It's, it's truly incredible what they built, and it's 100% built for the enterprise. Um, and that's really where it aligns with what PAR is building. Um, and so we, we don't – it's not taking an SMB product and making an enterprise. It's already an enterprise product. Um, and so our goal with Menu is to take live the revenue that they've worked very hard on the last few years – and helping them take that live. And that is predominantly in international uh, markets, the 25 markets that I spoke about on the call. But, of course, we see tremendous opportunity in bringing their products to the United States. Um, we've been sort of pounded on by our customers to find alternatives to what they have today. And so we expect to eventually bring that to the United States and into our unified solution. And, and we've got pilots with a couple of our, our existing customers today. And so we're not waiting on that. But I'd say priority one is taking live the revenue that's already been contracted, and priority two will be bringing it to the United States and bundling into our unified commerce solution, which is the real reason we acquired it. Um, and so over time, I suspect the U.S. to be a huge and, and probably the biggest market for menu, but today we've got to take live the revenue that's, that's been contracted. And, again, it, it is, it is a, a, like I said, it's just an incredible product that we're really, really excited about. Great. Thank you. Please stand by for the next question. Our next question comes from Jim Masaga with FactSet. Your line is now open. Our next question comes from Jim Masaga with FactSet. Your line is now open. Please stand by for our next question. The next question comes from Samad Sahamnu with Jeffries. Your line is now open. Hey, good morning, uh, Sadneet and Brian. Hope, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, a few questions for me. I, I guess I just wanted to first make sure. So Contract ARR in last quarter's uh, presentation was that it said it was above $116 million, so it's $115 million in 2Q. I'm curious why it was down $1 million quarter over quarter. Was there a change in either what you're including in that or uh, just maybe help me understand that and then I have a couple of follow-up questions. 
Sure, yeah. We mentioned on the call, it, it, it's definitely not down. What we did was to give you better visibility, we put, we changed the definition of contracted ARR to be just the next 12 months with, a, and most of that next 12 months car is the next six months. And so, and we, we think that gives you a lot more visibility. It's a number that I track, which is what's the revenue we've contracted that's going to go live in the next 12 months. And again, most of it will go live in the next six months. Gotcha. I apologize. I, I, I must have missed that part. So, okay, that's helpful. And then I guess just as I think about punch, it's still growing, you know, above the overall ARR growth. But I, I guess I am curious, you know, if I think back to when you guys acquired it, it was growing, you know, well north of, you know, the mid-40s this quarter. I know it was a tough comp, but you're talking about growth decelerating to the low 30s. I'm just curious, is it, what's, is it just changes that are going on in the sales organization? Are sales cycles getting longer there? Maybe what's driving some of that slowdown in that punch ARR growth? Yeah, and just one question. When we bought the business, it had grown about 30% year over year from the prior year, and then it, you know, obviously accelerated a lot with, you know, our go-live motion plus, you know, the cross-sell upsell. Um, I think it's just scale, right? We're still adding huge amounts of ARR every quarter and, and every year. Um, and so as we, we scale, you know, I think that growth rate will, will, will sort of stabilize. And as, as you've heard me say, we want to maintain that 30 to 40% growth rate. And so now it's continuing to take that product internationally, leveraging the menu acquisition uh, and new product upsell. So we, we believe we'll continue to grow the punch business 30 to 40%. I think when we were growing, you know, 45%, that was, uh, you know, a moment in time where we had just incredible cross-sell opportunities uh, through the Brink acquisition. But um, we think it will stabilize around this rate as we do we – we sort of – think for all of our products will serve to be in that 30 to 40% range. And we're seeing good movement now in adjacency markets with, with grocer and also with convenience, uh, especially with that product. Great. And then maybe just one one last one for me. Just, you know, any update on maybe what the new, uh, new Brink ARR uh, trends are in terms of our pooper site? Are you seeing better pricing? Are you seeing similar pricing to what you've seen maybe over the last two or three quarters, just anything that you can see that, that gives us an idea of maybe what the uh, size and scale of the deals you're landing and, and the price you're able to retain even as you do that. Uh, thanks for asking that question because I, I wish I expanded more. So the short answer is, um, you know, we've been taking live a lot of sites that were contracted, this doesn't sound crazy to you, in 2016. Um, and that is weighted down the ARPU. Um, the average ARPU of Brink for signed contracts over the last 12 months has been significantly higher than the contracts signed, obviously, in 2016. And so in the second half, we should benefit from that momentum of the signed deals. Um, and, and allow for us to expand revenue uh, growth within the Brink product line. So you'll see a, a, a reversal starting slowly, but we'll really pick up. And in 2023, we'll have a lot of benefit of taking live the contracts that we've, 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 we've put out there. You know, Brink list price is, is up considerably just in the last 12 months. Um, and then um, as we've uh, found ways to monetize things like APIs, uh, and, 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 and additional product modules, it'll continue to grow. So we'll see a reversal of that trend. Um, unfortunately, the, the, the revenue that goes live, what we put in LAR, is oftentimes, um, you know, older contracts that we, you know, they're, they're, they're a great sign that we've now taken live revenue that was contracted years ago and that was, was stuck because of, you know, whether management or product issues. But um, we've been, you know, unfortunately not getting the benefit of, of all these sites, and, and I think that will reverse now. Great. Thanks for taking my questions. Please stand by for the next question.
Our next question comes from Anya Soderstrom with Sedoti. Your line is now open. Hi, and thank you for taking my uh, questions. Um, a lot of good questions asked already. Uh, I'm just curious, how did you um, come about with the menu technology acquisition, and how long have you worked on it, and, and why now? Um, so we've been spending a, a lot of time on this uh, idea of unified commerce, and unified commerce doesn't work unless you can bring together off-premise and on-premise orders. Off-premise are things like online orders, mobile orders, you know, everything that's not in the store. And we, we haven't obviously had a solution for that. And so we've spent, you know, I'd say two years looking for a product, really a year and a half, but let's call it two years, to find a product that w is, it will work for us. The great challenge in, in, in that market, though, is that most people focus on the SMB market. And while there are great companies there growing very quickly, it's incredibly hard to take an SMB product and make it enterprise, particularly in restaurants. Um, and so we really did scour the world trying to find uh, uh, the best product. Um, as I said in my remarks, you know, in, in the end, you can have the best marketing, the best sales team, uh, you know, the most savvy management team, but product wins, and we needed to find the best product. And so we discovered Menu, I want to say, you know, nine months, a year ago, and, you know, candidly, we, we, we didn't believe what we saw. We'd never seen a product that – a company that had so much product that was still so relatively young in its, in its, in its maturity. Uh, and so we took a long time to convince them to become part of PAR. Um, and during that time, we, we developed immense appreciation for not only the product suite, but just the obsession they have over making customers happy, you know, something we can continue to learn from at PAR. And so while it's a small acquisition, um, you know, it's one that our entire team has rallied behind – been a huge part of, and, and you'll see us continue to grow. And what's exciting about it is this wasn't our intent when we went on the journey, but um, it now gives us an international foothold that we'll continue to expand, and we'll start by pushing punch aggressively internationally, but eventually all of our products. And so we love that it fills a product gap that we needed, which was a sort of off-premise ordering, but it also brings us internationally, which is an area that we want to expand to as well, as there isn't a really dominant enterprise player internationally. Um, and then the sort of final benefit is uh, they've got contract signed. Uh, you know, we're not um, – this is not this is, when they go to the next large customer. It's not going to be a a new experience. They sort of know the, they know the RFP process, they know the the testing process, security process, and everything in between. So, um, I think we'll um, uh, be very excited about what we discover. Okay, and and you're also benefiting from the stronger dollar, I guess, when you acquired it. I, I, I think so. Um, I mean, we, with part stock, part part part, part cash, so we, we did benefit some, and and okay. uh, but I think it. They're, the key to the, the acquisition for the menu team will be um, their ability to grow the ARR efficiently and hit some of the earnout targets that we put out for them, which will be in our in our subsequent um, events filing, which you'll see. Um, and so I think to them, the motivation is to drive that earnout. Okay. And how do you see in general the, the M&A environment now, and, and what does that mean for your government business potential spinoff? So, um, I, you know, I think we are – this is our second quarter where we've printed um, revenue uh, from our new contract that's driving a lot of the growth that you see. Um, you know, as we continue to see that and the margin expansion, we'll, we'll constantly explore the opportunities that, that exist uh, for that business. Um, you know, given the growth, given the margin expansion, um, you know, it's a business that should get a good multiple in the event that our board decides to, to monetize it. Okay, and then uh, lastly, and just in terms of the sort of the the uncertain economy, how has the customer sentiment, the sort of sales cycle, been affected, if at all, uh, by what's going on in the economy now for you? You know, t today we're not seeing uh, tremendous 
change. Um, as I mentioned on the call, we expect to see it in our hardware business, uh, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll potentially see it, um, you know, in other parts of our business. But we're not, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where we talk about it with our customers, but we're not seeing that elongation of, 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 of sales cycles quite yet. But without question, it, it, it can and should happen. Um, and, we're, and if it does happen, I think it'll be more of a 2023 issue as, as 2022 is, is very much, you know, being booked uh, now. So, um, you know, it's something that, that, that I think if it happens, it, 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 we'll be ready for it, and we're taking precautions, slowing down hiring, uh, focusing on price, uh, being more efficient. Um, but today, it's, it's, I would say we continue to be surprised by the, the revenue that's going live. Okay, and actually, one more last one. Um, in terms of, of uh, the unified solution now when you added the, the, the menu uh, acquisition, is there like sort of a um, – do you have a hit list of, of potential customers that you think are going to be more prone to, to signing on now when you have an even more robust uh, solution? Of course. I think, uh, first and foremost, as we integrate the menu product into PARG, it will make us more attractive over our existing products. Those customers that are in sales cycles for Just Brink or Just Punch um, or Data Central should find us more attractive because we can unify their on-premise, off-premise to the back office. That is a really attractive proposition. And so, you know, illustratively, if we're in a process and let's just say Brink is in second place and not first place, this should help us push that over the finish line. Um, and so I think it will just naturally bring more revenue forward on, on our existing products. Um, to the second part of your question, the menu product is very well focused on the enterprise customer. Um, it's not a product for the single-store restaurant. It's a product for global, international brands that want an alternative to the incumbents that exist today. And it's highly focused on being scalable, completely configurable, and really giving control back to, to the restaurant. You know, today, I think if you talk to restaurant companies, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're happy with what they have, but they're not blown away. And particularly this, this ability to be configurable and integrated such that the kitchen is as smart as the online ordering system and they're speaking the same language. You know, none of that exists today. And, and Menu gives them that opportunity now. Okay, great. Thank you. That was all for me. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone. Please stand by for our next question. The next question comes from Adam Wyden with ADW Capital. Your line is now open. Hey, guys, a couple questions for me. I, I just wanted to clarify your, your contract at ARR definition. So, um, that doesn't include uh, that doesn't include payments, correct? And you made another comment around Brink that it doesn't include all of Brink, so it's it's largely punch. Is that right? Like, can you can you kind of clarify what's in there and what's not? Sure. So the majority of the delta between the LAR, LAR live revenue and uh, contract revenue is, is punch. Um, uh, a small portion of it is Brink, uh, and that's because we don't put anything in contract revenue from Brink unless it's a signed order for that store. So as an example, if we sign a big chain today, none of that goes to contract revenue until we have visibility into that revenue coming in the next 12 months. And so what we've done is just made it much, very specific as cars, that revenue that we have visibility into the next 12 months. Um, and so it's predominantly um, uh, punch with a, a portion of, of Brink and a, a small portion of payments. Right, and, and that wouldn't that wouldn't include potential price increases, it wouldn't include, uh, I mean, it, it basically is very light on Brink as it relates to, you know, new new live activation, doesn't include pricing, doesn't include payments in any material amount. Is that, that a fair way to, to, to describe it? That's correct. That's correct. So, so, 
so in in a perfect world you know there you know if the economy kind of keeps together uh you know we we should you know there could be could be upside to that um absolutely uh you know as i said i, I track this number very closely internally because i i know we'll hit it and and now it's about how do we get above that right so i've got two questions the first one is more qualitative so if you think about the journey and i've been on the journey a long time now you know you you started getting momentum, you know, and then COVID hit, and you had your first kind of like 1,500 brink live units, activation, whatever you want to call it, and then, you know, roll what the hell in a handbasket. And I think everybody woke up, and, you know, because of the nature of getting into the stores, it made it very harder, you know, hard to, you know, activate brink, even though everyone knew that they needed, you know, kind of off-premise and digital. Then you, now you have the supply chain and the inflation. I mean – do you think people are kind of up to this and saying it's it's almost kind of like a perfect storm in terms of like the the necessity? I mean, at what point does, do you think you know the enterprise the, the the customers say kind of like yeah I get it it's inflationary but like you know uh, you know and costs are up but like you know we're gonna bite the bullet and make some investments to reduce that. I mean I get it payments is easy because it reduces the cost day one but I mean for all intents and purposes a lot of the stuff that you're doing does reduce cost day one that you just need, you know, they just need to see it in a model and a, a workforce. I mean, do you think people kind of look at the, you know, the last two years and say, you know what, like, you know, I can't control revenues, but, you know, I can spend a little bit of money up front and get a big return. I mean, it, it, it's kind of, cause it's like, if this is like, these are the ideal conditions for your business. Um, you know, I think you're right. Uh, the song is sort of is we, we've become very good at sort of selling the ROI of our solution. Um, um, you know, one of our leaders, I think, has done a tremendous job in, uh, in showing the customers, here's what happens when you install Brink. Here's what happens when you install Brink with another module of PAR. Um, and that ROI is definable. It, it's real, it's, it's real, real math. And it's, it's not sort of fluffy stuff. It's actual data that we have. And I think that's how, exactly how we sell. Um, and so, you know, I think the last year and the next couple of years are, are, are very strong environments for us to continue to see this growth that we see now. Um, so I don't think we're at a point where enterprises don't get that value today. Um, it's just about convincing them to go faster. Um, you know, it's not a market where, um, you know, we're losing tons of business to competitors and, and keeping up. It's a business where when the customer goes, we go and, and we feel we've got a strong probability of winning that deal. Um, and so it's just about building that momentum and this environment could potentially help accelerate that um, with these customers to push them over the edge. Good. And then my last question is, is around M&A. You, you know, I'm not sure if you, you called out what, uh, what the, the ARR contribution uh, is for, for menu or what you expect it to do. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're in this kind of log jam where private companies are in general or at least historically traded at higher multiples of ARR relative to the public comps. You've seen, you know, Vista and Toma Bravo. You saw Avalara last week. Um, companies are out there buying. I mean, just to use, use Avalara as an example, I think they paid 11 times ARR, 12 times or something when you do fully diluted and options, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that business was probably later in its maturity and had, you know, a, a you know, it's probably a lower similar growth rate to kind of Brink and, and, and all the rest. And so, you know, I, I look at, you know, PAR today and I, I think it's, you know, obviously it's, it's definitely material undervalued to that. But, but, but the question is, is when you, when you look at private equity, you know, they are taking advantage of what I would call the 30, $40 million of kind of cost of being public, not just the New York Stock Exchange listing costs, not just the, uh, 
you know, the controller, CEO, CFO, blah, 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 but also just kind of the, the systems in place. And, you know, we've kind of benchmarked it. And, you know, for a company of these scale, you know, we think, you know, it could be 20, 30, 40 million dollars of kind of duplicative cost. And there are obviously some, some public company players like Agilisys, like Olo, like Transact Technologies. You know, there are companies out there, um, that might not have the same valuations and as the private markets where you could effectively do a transformational deal like punch in the public markets and kind of, you know, get that, you know, scale and duplicative cost and kind of, you know, uh, synergy value. I mean, how do you think about kind of going after companies like that or, you know, in the absence of, you know, private market deals that make sense, you know, kind of doing something in the public markets where you can kind of, you know, take advantage of the dislocation there? You know, I uh, I think that the macro of your perspective, your, your comment is, is very true, which is, you know, if I look at our acquisition, um, you know, when when the numbers get printed, and you know, 18 months from now it's called the end of 2022, I think it'll be a home run deal for Park. And you know, I take great pride, and I think that you know the punch acquisition not only beat expectations, but was incredibly accretive to Park shareholders. I suspect this deal will be uh, as well. And so we start from there. This the business has the model has to work, and today's environment provides opportunity. If we had tried to acquire, uh, you know, menu. A year ago, and by the way, we did, uh, you know, it would have been a very different price and been very, very hard uh, to work. And so we feel that we can be the aggressor today. We've staffed up a, a really high-quality M&A team now that's uncovering rock after rock. As I said, you know, Menu was the best-kept secret. Um, you know, it's a business that, um, you know, I, I don't know if many people realize that was out there. Um, and so we we, are, we want to use this environment to be aggressive. And, um, and, and, you know, if there's a larger asset out there that we can make work and put our playbook in, in, to work in that organization, and that playbook being uh, drive gross margins so that we can reinvest in product, um, well, um, but it's, you know, it, these are oftentimes opportunistic uh, approaches where you've got to find the right asset that serves the same end market that wants to sell. And obviously, if it doesn't want to sell, we'll work very hard to convince them to sell, but that can take some time. Uh, but the short answer is, this acquisition, while small, is completely illustrative of what the point you're saying, which is there was no way we could have made the math work a year ago, but we can today. And I expect we'll continue to do that for the rest of the year and next year. Okay. All right. That's it, That's it for me. Thank you. I am not showing any other questions at this time. I would now like to turn the conference back to Samit Singh for closing remarks. Thanks, everybody, for joining, and we look forward to updating you next quarter. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.